Hi there, and welcome back to 365 Days with MXM Tune. I'm Maya, a singer, songwriter, video maker, Oakland native, and anti-bomb. I'm also a big fan of history. I love untold stories, gross facts, hidden secrets, anything weird, dark, and funky from the past. Each day, I'm going to share a few of my favorite deep cuts with you, so let's take a look at today's stories with a trigger warning for violence. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff, no, it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's Today, in 1987, a man blew up a computer store. He disguised a bomb as a piece of wood and mailed it to the store. The piece of wood slash bomb was left in the parking lot of the computer store, and it injured the store's owner, but luckily he wasn't killed. But that wasn't the only thing he blew up. This was the 12th bomb of a now-notorious bomber known as the Unabomber. Let's reverse and talk about one of the most notorious criminals of the late 20th century. The man's real name was Ted Kaczynski. Over the course of 17 years, he mailed bombs to try and injure or kill people like professors and businessmen. Over the years, these bombs killed three people and injured 23 more. He began his dire bombing quest in the late 1970s and it continued until he was apprehended in 1996. Kaczynski was born in Chicago in 1942. Nothing about his upbringing would suggest that he would become an infamous bomber. He got good grades and was an academic star, graduating high school early. He attended Harvard on scholarship when he was only 16. While at Harvard, he participated in a study that later illuminated some of the shocking aspects of his life and crimes. A psychology professor took a number of students and asked them to write an essay on their personal philosophies. At a later time, they were hooked up to electrodes, and it was measured how their brains respond to insults and personal attacks based on what they'd written in their essays. Though the exact data has been lost, it's believed that Kaczynski participated in the experiment for around 200 hours over the course of three years. Though no direct links between what happened during the experiment and his years as a domestic terrorist has been drawn, it's not hard to believe that such intense psychological trauma could make a person more vulnerable to committing harmful acts. Kaczynski graduated from Harvard in 1962 with a math major. He then got his master's and a doctorate also in math at the University of Michigan. He went to work as a professor at Berkeley, where he was the youngest professor the school had ever had, but his time there was short-lived, as he left the job after two years and didn't tell anyone why. He lived with his parents in Illinois for two years, and then moved to Montana in pursuit of living self-sufficiently off the land. The peace he thought his plan would bring him went awry when real estate and industrial development began to encroach on the area he'd come to call home. Around this time, Kaczynski began vandalizing construction sites, just a small precursor of the crimes he would go on to commit. Kaczynski escalated his crimes and began mailing bombs to targets all over the United States in 1978. The first person to receive a Kaczynski-sent bomb was a professor at Northwestern named Buckley Christ. Christ wasn't hurt by the bomb. The package said it was being returned to him, but he hadn't sent it in the first place, so he notified campus security. A security guard opened the package and suffered a hand injury. In the next seven years, Kaczynski sent nine pipe bombs to people around the United States, from academics to airline executives. He even once snuck a bomb onto a flight, American Airlines Flight 444 from Chicago to Washington, D.C. The bomb did explode, but luckily only caused a small fire. At the time, no one knew who was behind the bizarre series of mail bombs. 
The FBI did suspect that they were all sent from the same person because of the similarities in the construction of the bombs. The FBI had also sussed out that the bomber had connections to both Chicago and the Bay Area of California. They called the investigation Unibomb, or University and Airline Bomber, which is how the Unibomber moniker came to be. Kaczynski's identity became known after he wrote a manifesto and sent it to newspapers demanding it to be published, or he would continue his attacks. Though Kaczynski didn't identify himself in the manifesto, his brother, David Kaczynski, began to suspect him based on the familiarity of the ideas and language. David went to the FBI and gave them letters that his brother had sent to him over the years. Linguist analysts compared them to the manifesto and concluded that they were likely written by the same person. The manifesto was about his hatred for technology and how he thought technology led humans away from nature and toward surrogate activities like sports and entertainment, which he hated and said that people should refuse to engage in them and return instead to wild nature. He even went so far as to call for an end to scientific research and implied that society was enslaved by machines and targeted universities because his time in academia had convinced him that the research universities produced only led to a more technological lifestyle. All in all, he called for a revolution against industrial society. He sent the manifesto around to newspapers, magazines, and television stations through a series of letters. In them, he said he would stop attacking with bombs if any newspaper published his manifesto in full. In a surprising turn of events at the urging of both the Attorney General and the FBI, both the New York Times and the Washington Post published the manifesto in 1995. In slightly separate sections to indicate that they were not the journalism the paper exposed. Publishers of the two papers said that they had made the decision together and in tandem with the attorney general and the FBI director in the interest of public safety. The publishers emphasized that they did not consider the manifesto to be journalism and that they were only agreeing to print it to hopefully save lives. They didn't know if the Unabomber would keep his word to stop bombing, but thought that they had to take the chance. The response to the decision to publish the Skarid was split. Some said it was akin to negotiating with terrorists, while others lauded the efforts these editors made to save lives. Kaczynski was arrested in April 1996, one year after his last successful bombing, in great thanks to the papers agreeing to publish the manifesto, because that's how his brother was able to piece the puzzle together. Kaczynski never sent another bomb after the manifesto was published, though a complete bomb in a box ready to be mailed was found in his cabin when he was arrested. When Kaczynski was eventually arrested, he pled guilty without a trial. He agreed to a life sentence in prison without parole in exchange for pleading guilty to the bombing murders. During the years that he was making and sending bombs, Kaczynski lived in a tiny 10 by 12 shack in the woods. It's hard to imagine what he spent his time doing when he wasn't making bombs or writing in his journals. All that is known is that he spent extensive amounts of time researching his potential victims. Kaczynski is still alive and serving his prison sentence in Colorado. He has published two books from prison, which expand on the ideas of his manifesto and communicates regularly with anyone who writes in letters. And for today's musical guest, we have Caro Bay, here to talk about a very important day in her life. It's also her birthday, so very, very happy birthday to her. Hey, I'm Caro, also known as Caro Bay. I'm an artist, songwriter, and producer, and today is my birthday, February 20th. On top of it also being my birthday, I have a song called 221 out that I wrote last year reflecting on the events of my birthday and how I kind of felt turning 24. I feel like the 23-24 cusp is such a weird time because you're 
kind of like caught in the middle of so many things happening. So a big thing for me was realizing how much I change, you know, as a person and all the things that used to make me happy just weren't doing it anymore. So a lot of self-reflection and writing was kind of done on this day and actually inspired my two-part EP, The Longest Year, which you can find out on all streaming platforms. And now for our final segment of the day, I'm going to look at my own photo archives and see what I was up to on a February 20th in my life. I say it once again, but I literally don't think I've done anything in the Februarys of my life. The Februarys of my life have been one of the driest times ever. I don't know what is going on. So the only memory I have to share with you today is on February 20th of 2018, I saved a meme of a frog. Um, I don't actually know what kind of frog it is, but he's very shiny and green and he's sitting on a man's hand and the caption of it says, oh my gosh, he is so cool. Look at how chubby he is. That's literally my memory of today. I'm sorry that there's nothing more exciting. We're almost through the month of February, and let's hope that March is more interesting in terms of what I've gotten up to. <laughs> let's travel back in time again tomorrow. Remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can follow along at 365 Days MXM Tune on all platforms. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so... Don't leave too soon, I'm gonna teach you stuff No, it won't be tough, gonna go a year till you've had enough It's 360